Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Reston, Virginia is Rich Hale. Rich is the Chief Technology Officer for ActiveNav. And today we're gonna be talking about a constant concern issue, which is data protection and privacy. Uh, It's one that every organization seems to struggle with on an ongoing basis. First, Rich, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, Thanks, Adam. Uh, No problem. Uh, Pleased to be doing it and nice to meet you. And to meet you. Now, as we're recording this podcast, we just saw a 350 million data breach settlement with customers of a mobile phone company. Uh, In the U.S., Congress is seemingly always looking to create a national data privacy law, and the number of regulations globally seems to be increasing constantly, all, all measures of how consequential this issue is. How can compliance teams successfully navigate um, this very challenging times from a data protection perspective? Yeah, I'm glad you placed that frame on it, data protection, um, Adam, because, of course, the, the question is so huge. I'm, I'm not sure I, I could even begin to start answering it. But uh, and I feel for compliance teams, it's clearly a big deal there. I, I thought I'd start by um, you've heard my English accent. Um, I, I, I do mm-hmm. think um, I'm also ex-military. And so forgiveness um, is asked here. I'm, I'm used to a bit more centralization. And so um, we're not wishing to offend my uh, American colleagues. Um, you know, I've been a big fan of um, what I've learned about being in America and kind of the minimum government. I really do like that. But nevertheless, centralization, I think, um, has a great deal to be said for it, too. And so I'm going to stand out and say a national law seems like, in principle, a good thing. Um, and, and there's a thread to that for me, um, because clearly with so many different threads, so many different details to be uh, com- uh, to be attending to, compliance teams have a next to impossible job. Um, and so I think this all comes down to identifying um, and in some way normalizing the common threads of what needs to be done while leaving the operational scope free in the how. And I'd like to see that in a national privacy law myself, um, because I think that's going to help everyone a great deal. But but I think that also translates down to a business level as well. You know, so compliance teams um, need to sort of draw out the common threads um, and they clearly need advice. Um, again, um, while I'm not wishing to make turn this into a bandwagon for the national for a potential national law, um, they clearly need advice on kind of what of what is the core of privacy requirements and what's the core of the data protection needs. Um, and and there's a burgeoning industry for that. I'm I'm not a, a particular expert in the details of each of the privacy um, regulations, but but there is a core, and compliance lead teams need to sort of get help to draw out that core. Um, what I would say, and, and I have seen this a bit in data compliance, um, you can't solve it all. Um, there is a temptation to try and boil the ocean here, and um, the and, and there's an old adage, isn't there? Never let the perfect get in the way of the good, and so. Um, you've got to kind of prioritize your work. Um, the flip side is I've also seen many organizations, particularly in the, in the not so distant past, kind of putting their heads in the sand and saying, if they don't look hard enough, they won't find the problems and therefore they have a bit of plausible deniability. And so I, I think compliance teams need to sort of drive a program where one embarks on a journey of discovering and managing the risk in the gaps. You know, you've got to, got to get your head around what you actually are doing as a business. And then and then go through a process of at least identifying the, the risk and then prioritizing the gaps and, and so that you can size the problem and deal with the most important things. 
I, I, the last point I'd make uh, is, is it's got to be a partnership between compliance and operations in the line of business. Um, this, this, this type of thinking, I think, went back when people started to grow up around security. And that is, uh, it, life is easier if you build the privacy in at the beginning and invite privacy and compliance into the requirements when there's any new initiative. You've got to get those requirements in at the base. So if, if compliance comes to the table with some sense of kind of a the, the, the what is needed, some sort of normalized way of thinking about it, then then you've got to hand off to operations and um, they, they look after the how. Well, and it doesn't matter really what the area of compliance is, whether it's data protection and privacy, anti-corruption, you know, Medicare billing on the healthcare side of the world. It's always better if one, the uh, operations group feels ownership of it, and two, if the controls are built in rather than bolted on, because then they become part and parcel of the way it works. Now, we've already touched on this a little bit, but you know, with the fact that right now there's so many unique policies out there, there is definitely a lot in common between them, but um, what steps should organizations be taking to make sure that in this sort of patchwork time, they're on the right side of the line. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm gonna probably uh, from from my side as not a compliance guy. I'm gonna get the sort of detail of this um, a little bit off whack, but th there's a common core intent to privacy. Um, for example, as as um there, there would be, I'm sure, in other types of regulations you refer to. Um, in the case of privacy, it's all about um, identity. Uh, yeah, there are many things, but identity and consent is way the way I think about it. And uh, in terms of data protection, the root lies in in the data that you are actually holding, how you're using it, why you're using it, and whether indeed um, whether indeed um, that that use is justified. And so. Um, I think one needs to sort of boil it down to, to sort of identifying the types of data that your organization is justified um, in holding. And, and that's, that lies at the line of business, that lines with the information owner, the process owner, and, and um, identifying where it's being used. And there's a catch to that. Um, many organizations, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to stick my neck out and say all organizations really don't have a full appreciation of everything they do. And that, that top down approach can often leave gaps. You know, you, you talk to people and you say, you know, how do your processes run? You do an audit of the process uh, and, and, and you capture the way it works, but you're going to miss stuff. And there's also the innovative side for businesses where new stuff emerges. And um, so there's a balance between the top down approach and a bottom up approach in, in the audit and understanding how um, all data is and information is used around the business. Um, you know, it's compliance's job, unfortunately, I think, to map that actuality of what businesses do to what organizations need and the requirements. There's, there's kind of almost simply no way of getting around that, although there are plenty of third parties out there that can help. But as we said, operation, operationalizing it, I think uh, there's a kind of You've got to have a grip of what's actually happening on the ground. From, from a data perspective, we major in um, in the sort of user-generated data, the sort of the great wild of what users are doing with their data. And there's a temptation to trust the end users. You train them, you trust them. Um, that's a great start, but I think um, you mustn't trust users too far. After all, it's not their job. You know, it's not their, their primary line of business. And so you have to monitor actually what's happening on the ground as well as to complement your top-down understanding of the way the business actually operates in, in abstract. I hope that made sense, Adam. No, absolutely. It does. It does. Now, part and parcel of that, I know you're a big advocate for creating a data inventory. Can you explain a bit 
what a data inventory is and, and why should organizations take one? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I've kind of setting myself up for this in everything I've just said, you know, because it's what I do day to day. Um, an inventory, uh, the way, and let's be clear, the industry is far from normalized on some of this terminology. Um, you'll hear about cataloging and maps and inventories and stuff like that. I think inventory is an important concept because um, I used to work in a in a Burger King. I used to inventory the burgers that were actually in the in the deep freeze, and there's never the same number of burgers as um, as what we thought there would be. <laughs> and um, and there's often a thing you didn't think was there at all. And this this goes even more so for a broad organization's data. So the inventory is what's actually on the ground. It's a it's a discrete record, an evergreen record of um, what's on the ground. Um, in your in your question, Adam, you said, why should an organization take one? I, I'd go a bit, a bit further than that and say, an organization should both take one and maintain one as an evergreen proposition. And you need to focus on the areas where data is most um, active and uncontrolled. And that particularly in the world of user-generated data is critical because users are required to innovate. Users go out and invent new ways of doing things almost every day. They have to work around shortfalls in IT, shortfalls in process. And so they do stuff that you don't expect. And so inventing the actual activity, so what data's where, where it's held, how is it changing? And then let's relate this back to the, uh, we talked about privacy earlier on and compliance. Let's re relate that to the regulated data. So can we find the way that data is being used by users on the ground and build a picture of that? And then so, so you get this, this evergreen picture uh, record of what's actually happening on the ground with the data day to day. And then it needs to be complemented by a visualization because you know really well the, these things are huge. The amount of data that changes every day in an organization is huge. And so one needs a good way of visualizing the way things change so that organizations can prioritize and identify problem spots. And prioritizing and identifying is really keys to getting ahead on these things. So last question for this conversation is companies have both structured and unstructured data uh, out there. Um, is one or the other more of a concern when it comes to being in compliance or managing the risk? Um, I, I would say it depends how you frame your concern. It depends on the business. Let me characterize it this way. The, the structured data is far more bounded and far better known. The constraints with which a user can interact with it um, are limited. And so, um, in, in fact, in fact, it's the easier thing to do. So by all means, I think organizations need to get on top of that. But one can do that with a top-down approach relatively easily. Um, the unstructured data is boundless. It's huge. It's more than 80% of what an organization holds. And what users can do with it is pretty much endless. And so you will find unlimited ways in which users are doing weird stuff and novel stuff with data or in the pursuit of getting through their day job. And I just give examples. Um, users are want to download, create, and mash up new ways of doing doing working with data in, in the unstructured world. And um, that creates a risk for a cut for um, any organization because inevitably they will be breached. And it's a minefield for the um, for the uh, threat actor when they get free play in an unstructured data environment. So I certainly think organizations must consider their unstructured risk alongside their structured. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, as you point out with people playing with the data and creating all these things on the fly, it seems to me it would argue for the fact that uh, data inventory isn't a once and done thing, that it needs to be updated fairly regularly to stay on top of all of this. 
Yeah, totally. We use the term evergreen and I would uh, continual monitoring is important here because then you can identify trends and, and what you're looking for is change. Yeah, you know, you, you, you both need to understand and manage the status quo, but you're also looking for changes in behavior, the new pattern, the new mashup, the new process that's, that's spun and, and then one can begin to prioritize one's efforts. So, yes, it's, it's not a one and done for sure. Well, good advice there, Rich. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Uh, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletop from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.